from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Draymond Green will not be playing Game 3 for the Warriors against the Sacramento Kings as the series returns to Golden State and Sacramento holds a two-game lead. The question is, what's the real reason? And the answer might not just be about the trampoline kick. It might not be about the stomp. It might not even be about just that night. It might be about everything. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, uh, Harry, uh, this is such an interesting spot to be in because a lot of opinions have come through over the course of the last uh, 12 hours, let's say, since the league decided very late last night that Draymond will be suspended for Game 3. But what's interesting to me is that there's a very clear and, uh, and explained reason why this is happening. NBA Executive Vice President Joe Dumars. As in bad boys, Joe Dumars. As in Detroit Mm. Pistons, Joe Dumars. Mm. Told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski regarding Draymond Green's punishment. This is a quote. Quote, here's what it came down to. Excessive and over-the-top actions, conduct detrimental, and a repeat offender. That's what separates this, where you end up with a suspension. Dumars went to ESPN on weighing the circumstances of the Warriors down 2 nothing and said, quote, you know what the situation is, but you have to set that aside and look at the facts in front of you. Repeat offender weighs as heavy as anything. Joe Dumars Ooh. making it clear here, this is about a body of work, not about one night. No, you just can't ignore everything that Draymond has done up until this point. Now, and I'll be honest with you, Fish. Do I like suspension? Hell no, I don't. But when you go to look at the history of Draymond, and all the things and the antics that he has done since he's been in the National Basketball Association, you can't just ignore that. Like, it doesn't work like that in the National Football League, right? When guys get fined for certain things, if you do it again, they don't just forget about what you did in the past. That's taken into consideration as well, like when it comes to discipline. So I don't think it will be any different here with Draymond Green in the NBA of them saying, okay, what do we need to do Should we pay attention to his past history? Should we take it into consideration? Or should we, you know, just leave it out? No, you can't just leave it out. You can't can't leave it out. It has to be a part of the evaluation process. And that happens all the time. I'll use uh, uh, Vontez Perfect. Perfect example. Was suspended 10 games for a play when he was playing for the Raiders. But that wasn't about the play. And the league was clear about that at the time. It was about the fact that they tried repeatedly to find him and send a message about what's allowed and what's not allowed. And he chose just to... Not pay attention. And even for me as a Raiders fan, I sat there when it happened and said, yep, totally get it. At some point, it has to matter what you've done in the past. We've seen it in the NHL. Uh, A dirty hit will get you a suspension, but a series of dirty hits will get you longer suspensions. Drug offenses. You know, what's the first offense when you fail the test? What's the second offense when you fail the test? Like, this is the way the world works. If if you get a bunch of parking tickets, you're going to be treated (laughs) some kind of way, right? Like, uh, your first offense isn't the same as the second offense isn't the same as the third offense. And you got Draymond over here basically telling everybody involved they could just you know it and all of a sudden like he's surprised should any of us be surprised it's not just all the offenses it's the way he so just brazenly went in front of the crowd and said i am draymond <laughs> at the end of it and it's like so so let me tell you why i'm laughing right now right so when i was playing with the falcons like we kept a fine book 
in our own meeting room, in the wide receiver room, right? And the way we had our fines, we were fine for any and everything too, right? We will find each other for any and everything fits. And if you had did something that we thought was crazy, say somebody in our, in our, in our group sent a crazy tweet and we thought it was um, con- conduct detrimental to our receiver room, we would find them probably $250, $300, right, for that one thing. Ooh, don't let you become a repeated offender because we're going to hit you double. We're going to hit you double for being a repeated offender. When they did it a second time or a third time, we just, we just didn't forget about the last time you did it or the other two, uh, three times that you did it. We tacked on more money for being a repeated offender. Uh, what happened to the fine money at the end of the season? Like, what, what? Oh, so we, we, we would take it and go out. To, at the end of the year, we would take and go out to eat with it and, you know, party, have fun, go bowl and do all those sorts of things with the money. This is as a, see, as a group. This is, I am a much more stable human being than I was, you know, 15 years ago in my life. I was on a tour bus once that decided they were going to have a swear job, jar. And anybody that knows me knows that, like, uh, I, it's a miracle that I haven't had an issue in front of a microphone because there are certain words. Like, I learned it from my mom. My mom, like, flowerly puts the F word into every sentence. <laughs> in her life right so like it's just part of life so i walk up one day and they put a fine jar on the bus and they're like we're gonna start fining for every swear word that is said on the bus and i just mother effed everybody up and down the th- and i was like no i will not pay your fines i am a terrible teammate i just learned that you Look, are- we, we would we would find our coaches too though no like Ooh. if our coaches did something they became a repeated offender and we we always had the other people in the room the receiving room be the jury like we got to take it to the jury the head coach was the commissioner and we'll bring him in on the fines and everything and let him know and you know just give him everything to make the final ruling and he would be like, okay, well, you're a repeated offender. You're overruled. Oh, man. Well, and, and what did we learn earlier today from Kendrick Perkins? Like, there is precedent even for that. I thought it was really amazing. Perkins talks about getting – Perk was talking about getting in a fight with somebody in the tunnel where secured 13 security guards are trying to separate him, and all of a sudden the league calls him because they want to investigate it, and both of them just said the right thing to the league and didn't even get suspended. And he said, we probably should have been suspended, I don't know, five games. But they were mm-hmm. able to walk it back. This is this is about not any one thing. This is about all of the things. Like when you get in like an eruptive argument with your significant other, they're like, no, it's not about this. It's about everything. That's what's happening right now. It's not just about the trampoline stomp. It's not just about the way he acted on the floor afterwards, although that I think I think that's a big part of it. It's not just about the language he used towards fans with Adam Silver sitting right there. It's not just about the way he handled himself in the press conference. Like I'm going on and on and on with a list of things that Draymond did wrong and all he had to do at some point was look in the mirror and realize man I better fix this and he could have turned the whole thing around but instead of doing that he went defiant in everything he did that's why he's suspended like uh, if you're Adam Silver you can't allow this behavior well, without I, being I, walked all over and I, I'm, I'm upset at the NBA for, for suspending them but I'm probably more upset at Draymond too because he, he shouldn't have put himself in this situation knowing what his past history is Right. And I think Perk, you know, painted the picture for us. I think the best you let a guy in some bonus who is not who has not been in this situation a lot. You're a four time champion and you allowed him to get the best of you. You know, the thing with LeBron James, hey, LeBron's the GOAT, whatever, whatever that happened. But Sabonis, Sabonis. Now, I'm not saying that Sabonis can't play the game at a high level and he's he's not valuable to the Kings. But Sabonis, when it comes to experience and being in the playoffs on a consistent basis, isn't on your level, Draymond. So you should you should not let this young man get the best of you 
and to the point to where it's now costing you game three and playing for your team. I'm going to bring in Evan for a second on this because Evan is our resident conspiracy theorist, right? Like, I'm not usually a big conspiracy theory guy. Like, if we never walked on the moon, I don't really care. If somebody managed to keep that secret for the last however many years, kudos to you. In a world where you can't keep, you know, your bowel movements a secret for 10 seconds in this world, if you can keep a a fake moon landing a secret, good for you. So I'm not the conspiracy theory guy. But Evan, I got to get your thought on this because that one guy, 8747, tweeted us and said, does anybody else think Mike Brown, a former Warriors coach, now the Sacramento head coach, knew what he was doing trying to tell his players to get under Draymond's skin so they had a chance in this series. 100% that's what I think happened. (laughs) I think Mike Brown said, I don't think he said like grab his legs, but I think he said to his team, maybe Sabonis specifically said, you know, if we get under Draymond's skin, he's going to snap. Like, I've seen it before. I've seen it in, in big spots. And I think he looked at some of the stats, some of the metrics, saw that they're a better team with him on the floor, obviously. Yeah, I think Mike Brown went to his team and said, let's try to get it under Draymond's skin. It's the old, like, enforcer logic in the NHL. Like, you'll throw your enforcer out just to try and, like, start a fight because, hey, maybe you'll get one of their good players out while your guy takes him in. Like, even if you're trading fouls, Draymond and Sabonis, you'll take that all day if it puts Draymond it's in foul It's all trouble. about having the competitive advantage. And right now, heading into game three of that series, the Sacramento Kings have the advantage on top of winning games one and two. So wait, 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 Harry. Did you ever as a player know that there was somebody on the other side of the ball that if you could just get under their skin, it would cause a reaction? Maybe they wouldn't play their best. Did you ever go in and maybe talk a little different to certain guys that the scouting report told you that was the right thing to do? Yeah, and I was an a hole regardless. So that boy, that was that was just me on the football field. I just I, I think that that Evan, you might be onto. Something. I'm not a conspiracy theorist here, but you might be onto something. Like even as far as I can see, Coach going in and being like, "Hey, what we need you to do right now is just be an agitator." And by the way, Traymond doesn't like people messing with his feet. Like I I could see that happening because twice, <laughs> two straight games, he he grabbed the foot. He grabbed the foot twice. I'm just saying, I'm not proud of this. I've gone full tin hat. Is it tin hat? Evan, is that what they say? Tin? Okay. Tin Hat is the full conspiracy theory. Uh, that, that's where we are. By the I way. I just can't believe you guys found my burner. I thought that was pretty <laughs> <laughs> Burner conspiracy theories. Uh, Want to get you a couple pieces of breaking NBA news. Woj on John Morant yesterday said, I don't see a sense of great deal of optimism around the Grizzlies team. The Ja will be ready to play in game two. That's not really breaking. We don't have an update on that, but we do have an update on Giannis. He has been upgraded to questionable for the Bucks game two versus the Heat tonight. So Giannis questionable for this evening's game. Speaking of enforcers, it was a wild night in the NHL and one injury you will not believe a player returned from. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Ryder wins it clean. Panarin straight away. Gets it back out to Fox. He's between the circles. Looking for the function in front. And he gets it. And the Rangers make it a 2-0 game as they score on the power play as they get the deflection. ESPN 98.7 New York on the call. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. So much for you, hockey guy. Having a little fun. Uh, you are having a substantial amount of fun, Harry, though, because you are a Bruins fan this year. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. You are a Bruins fan. 
Um, but uh, Patrice Bergeron, of whom you have a jersey, uh, that you, do you wear that when you watch games? Like, does a former athlete wear a jersey? What's <laughs> what's the rule on this? I, I'm Now I'm taking us wildly off the rails. First and foremost, let me ask you this, Harry. Mm-hmm. When you look out in the crowd and you're standing on the field and you see fans in the stands wearing jerseys, what's a, are you okay with that? Like, if I'm wearing a Raiders jersey in the stands, is that allowable or not allowable fashion? Yeah, that, that has nothing to do with me. That's you. Uh, okay. Decide that you want to support your team. But me personally, like, I don't, I'm not wearing a – like, I will, like, when, you know, when my kids get older, I wear, I wear their stuff. Yeah, I, well, I don't wear jerseys to games usually. I, I'll be honest with you on that. Like, that's not a usual look for me. What about jersey guy in the mall? Like, just walking around but one you, day shopping? You know what? Last year when the Hawks were playing against, you know, the Miami Heat in one of the games that they won at home, I went to that game, and uh, one of the guys from the Hawks brought me up a Trey Young jersey. And when they won at the end, I actually unbuttoned my shirt, put that one on, uh, the jersey on underneath my shirt. And then when I was acting crazy on the table, I opened it up like I was ripping it, like I was like the Hulk or something. Oh, I like that. That, That's okay. So I'm all in on all of this, by the way. Uh, Do you wear the Bergeron jersey when the Bruins are playing or do you just wait till you're on TV and you're super famous? You know what? I actually did. When I first went to my first Boston Bruins game, that's when I actually bought the uh, Bergeron jersey. And I actually I wore it in the arena. Um, but I don't watch it w- during games. But you know what? It, when I go to the playoff game, one of the playoff games this season, um, I, I'm actually going to wear I'm waiting for my uh, Pasternak jersey to come in, too. I ordered a white one online. So I do have a Preds jersey, by the way. I have a Nashville Predators jersey, uh, which I got the I year. I hockey's different, though. Yeah, I, I mean, well, and, and the year that I was on the flagship – for 1025 uh, in Nashville is a flagship for the Preds. And it happened to be the year that the Preds went to the Stanley Cup final and I was on the morning show co-hosting it. So I covered that whole Preds run. And so my co-host, Braden Gall, he got uh, a jersey 10 and I got 25 so that we stood by each other with 1025. See, see how that went? So, uh, But that's oh. like, I got that framed now. It's like it's framed up in, in my memories, in my, in my office. Speaking of the Preds, uh, you know, at least in my memory, P.K. Subban joining us now, ESPN NHL uh, analyst extraordinaire, superstar all over over TV right now. And PK, really appreciate your time. We were just talking about the Bruins because Harry, even though he's Atlanta through and through, big Bruins fan. They won game one without Bergeron, won't have him again for game two. What do you expect without him? First of all, Fitzy and Harry, thank you for having me on the show. I, I appreciate the props uh, coming into it. It's been an exciting run so far. Um, when it comes to the Boston Bruins, I'm expecting them to win game two. I thought in game one, um, I didn't think they played anything close to their best game. But, you know, does Boston have to play their their best game to beat most teams in the league? No, they don't. You know, you guys are talking about the Nashville Predators and when I played in Nashville. And I'll tell you, when we won the President's Trophy, we didn't have to play it 100% every night. It didn't have to be high, high octane all the time. But we definitely knew in key moments in the game when to turn up the dial. And I'm not saying that the Boston Bruins should play a game where they're flipping a switch every now and then, but that's how good and that's how deep they are. They can flip the switch and tilt the ice, and they did what they had to do in game one. I think that they now know how important it is for them to take care of game two. They, You know, Patrice Bergeron, whether he's sick, banged up, whatever, you know, you, you finish this first round, you get a couple extra days of rest, that could be the difference for them down the road. So they want to take care of business at home. Now, PK, when you was in Nashville uh, playing for the Predators, I was actually there with the Titans, and I went to a lot of those games. And I will say this, though. Mm -hmm. The date, May 3rd, 2014. You was with Montreal, right? Correct. At that time? 
three one. Yep. You guys were up. You guys were up against the Boston Bruins in Boston, and the Bruins came back and lost that game. That was my first hockey game ever, and that's how I became a Boston Bruins fan, my man. Booyah! How did you let it happen, PK? PK, how did you let it happen? How did you let it happen? How did that? How did that series end? How did that series you, end? No, oh, you're right. You you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Montreal won the series. You're right. You're, oh, oh, damn it, PK, PK you got back. me. All right. All right. So, all right. Well, I, I will say this: we we've had uh, many battles, you know, wars against the Boston Bruins, and looking back at it, a lot of those battles were highlights in my career, and rightfully so, because you know, sports is all about rivalries. It what drives the attention for the fans, the passion from the fans. So to be a part of that rivalry is definitely special. So a mad respect for the Boston Bruins organization, though. And, I mean, where's the rebuild? What are, what are the Boston Bruins going to actually rebuild? Uh, they haven't had to rebuild at all. I don't know where they're finding players or how they're finding ways to be so competitive every year, but it seems like two, since 2013, every team has gone through at least one or two. They're, they're one of the only teams who hasn't. So... It shows you a lot about the culture in Boston and, and management and how they put together their teams every year. So we're talking to P.K. Subban on Fitz and Harry. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. P.K., I feel like every year we say the same things when we sit in front of a microphone going into the Stanley Cup playoff, that a hot goalie can ride a team farther than anyone expects. That's part of what makes it magical. For you now sitting in the analyst seat for ESPN, when you look across the landscape, is there a team that you think we're not paying enough attention to that could simply ride a hot goalie to a Stanley Cup final run? Well, I just don't think enough talk has been about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, you know, I'm sure they love it and they enjoy it. And maybe that's exactly the the match that they need to spark up another Stanley Cup run because no one's been talking about them this year. Um, You know, everybody's sort of written them off with the moves that Toronto's made, obviously with the depth that Boston has. Everyone's thinking of Tampa third or fourth. You know, they're even putting the Rangers ahead of them. I just think everybody's got to pump the brakes for a second and take a look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. After game one, yes. Are there questions about their lineup? Victor Hedman left the game, didn't return, and you guys know he's a Norris Trophy winning defenseman. Chernak, who's a big guy, who uh, munches minutes for them, big minutes, a top four guy. And, and they lost a couple other guys as well. So, you know, there's questions about their health, but when healthy, the Tampa Bay Lightning can definitely win a Stanley Cup, and they're definitely one of the teams that can compete with Boston. I still think Boston, at the end of the day, has so much depth five-on-five, and that five-on-five depth will wear teams down. But make no doubt about it, the Tampa Bay Lightning is definitely a team to look out for. And Evan, come in on this if I'm wrong. I think if Boston wins their series and Tampa Bay wins their series, the two teams face one another in the next round, correct? Yes, that's correct. Oh, man. I don't. I, ho- Sorry, I need what my. What was that guy? Sorry, the the Tampa Bay Lightning. If they win, if they win their series, and the Bruins win their series, the two teams face one another in the next round. Uh, yeah, I think we're losing PK here. So getting the tail end. I keep. I keep getting the tail end of it. Who did you say face off in this round? Who was? Who was the teams? 
I think we're losing PK. Uh, well, uh, just uh, PK, if you can hear us, thank you so much for the expertise. Keep coming on. We, uh, we're we going to talk some hockey as this thing goes through the, the course of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Harry and I love it too much to not. By the way, quick uh, quick fun story that you didn't ask for, Harry. Uh, when the Preds clinched their way into the Stanley Cup final, when they clinched the Western Conference game, I was out on Lower Broad, right? And we, we were all, everybody was partying. We just partied until, like, on Lower Broad, they kept everything open, all the bars open. We partied until the morning show, the next Day. So, like my co-host and I, Braden, we just we just literally stayed out on Lower Broad and then drove to the studio, walked in, and all we did was say open phone lines. We're like, call us and tell you how tell us how you're celebrating. Might have been like <laughs> the easiest and hardest four hours of radio I've ever done in my life. Because boy, by the end of it, whew, feeling rough. All right, I might be feeling rough in a minute. You know the Fitz and Harry mock draft is continuing. You know we only gave you two picks so far. That's because the Raiders and Falcons are on the clock. It's going to get ugly as our teams. We didn't get to make the picks. Somebody else did, and I can already tell you, we're not happy. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially over. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. It's the Fitz and Harry mock draft, and I'm almost as nervous as I will be on draft night when Harry Douglas and I are on the digital platforms hosting the draft. Every year, Harry, they put a camera in my face and they just wait for chaos when the words the Raiders are on the clock happen but it will happen inevitably this year the fitzenary mock draft as you know at this point we've got superstar friends coming in and they are taking care of all of the draft picks for us so as a result i can tell you bryce young went first will anderson second tyree wilson third cj stroud fourth that's right second quarterback off the off the board didn't even go till fourth Jalen Carter went fifth earlier with Mina picking him to go to the Seahawks. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, the corner out of Illinois that I really wanted for the Raiders, uh, then went sixth, which means my beloved Raiders are on the clock. And it was a decision made as a show unit that I don't get to make this pick. So our buddy Q Myers, you know him from Raider Nation Radio. He's on ESPN Radio all the time. He's from ESPN Las Vegas, host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Chimes, play the chimes. Q's on the clock. What do you got, Q? With the seventh pick in the 2023 Fitz and Harry mock draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Mel Kuyper Jr., player profile. Only one year as a starter. 13 career starts is all you got from Anthony Richardson. But, boy, how about that Utah game, September 3rd? He was on fire. 71% of his passes were completed. Rushed for 106 yards and three touchdowns. Looked like the number one pick overall guaranteed. Next week against Kentucky, he's at 40% with a couple picks and only four rushing yards on six carries. Through the year, he had some ups and downs. Accuracy comes and goes. But you can't teach, you can't coach the kind of physical and athletic talent, that rocket arm, that incredible running skills that he brings to the table he's the ultimate developmental quarterback he needs time in time he could be spectacular but there is a boomer bust look to anthony richardson 
I went back and forth on quite a bit between Anthony Richardson and the cornerback out of Oregon, Christian Gonzalez. The Raiders really need a lot of defensive help, and so I really was leaning that direction, but I think that Josh McDaniels would love to have the opportunity to groom his quarterback of the future, of the long future, and they still have 11 draft picks in a draft that is very deep in corners, very deep in defensive players in general. They can address that defense that needs a lot of work starting as early as the second round or maybe even trading up to the back end of the first round. So Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida, is the pick for the silver and black at number seven. Go ahead. Had a baby fit. Go ahead. Had a baby. Go ahead. Had a baby fit. Go ahead. Um, well, I would say this. We know the future of the Raiders. They will probably need a quarterback. We know Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the guy this year. He was in Josh McDaniel's system when he was with the New England Patriots. So Anthony Richardson is going to have an opportunity to actually sit behind someone and learn the concepts that they want to run from an offensive standpoint. But when you look at the big playability, you look at how he can run, break tackles, the arm strength, and what he can be, because I think you look at all the quarterbacks in this draft, fits. He has the most potential and upside of all of them. And if he reached that potential, this guy can be the limit for this young man. Now, do the Raiders really want to go there? I think they need a lot of defensive help. But I wouldn't actually mind this pick for the Las Vegas Raiders because Anthony Richardson wouldn't have to play right now and he can actually sit down and learn the ins and outs of the game of football at the national football level. No, 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 and more no. When your team sucks, when your team sucks every year, the last thing you want to hear is ultimate boom or bust, total developmental project. Those aren't words you want to hear around a first round. You know how a bad team stays bad? Rolling the dice every time. You don't bet your mortgage on putting all your chips on uh, black on the roulette table and just hoping it wins. Like At some point, you got to get bonafide starters. People you know that can come in and help. This team has so many holes. I think Harry Douglas could start at corner for the Raiders right now, and that's just like, you haven't even played in the league in a few years. You put some cleats on, you be you be corner one, alright? I'm like, jumping everything, too. Jumping everything. You gotta get starters at some point, like having this concept of projects is great, but then when your roster is just one big old barrel of suck around that project, what are you doing for them? Oh man, the worst idea is Anthony Rich. Like, any developmental prospect at quarterback that's going to sit there and have a, he's going to have 18 different head coaches 47 different GMs and 53 different offensive linemen in the first three weeks because the Raiders roster will suck around him. I hate this pick. God. <laughs> Q, Q we're, we're enemies now. Mortal enemies with Q. Q, you my boy Blue. You know what? I'm worked up. Why don't we let somebody like play the chimes. Rostein, see if Rostein can help us here. The Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. Here's ESPN NFL Nation Falcons reporter Michael Rothstein. With the eighth pick in the 2023 Fitz and Harry mock draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. Mel Kuyper Jr., player profile. Didn't have an interception at Colorado, but he had four picks this year with the Oregon Ducks. Got off to a slow start against Georgia in that season opener. But from that point on, he was a lockdown corner. Has the length, the athleticism you want at 6'1 197. Ran 4'3 at the combine. 41 and a half vertical. Athletic cover man. Solid ball skills. Reliable tackler. Smooth, agile. Tested off the charts and played great football for the Oregon Ducks this year. Well, it was very, very, very tempting to take Texas running back Bijan Robinson here because the Atlanta Falcons like to run the ball, and they've shown in the past they can buck convention in the draft. 
Christian Gonzalez is too enticing to pass up. Being able to pair him with AJ Terrell to create a dynamic, young, one-two cornerback pairing that can cause havoc for opposing receivers just makes too much sense for the Falcons and new defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen. How's it feel, Harry, to get the corner I wanted, well, but you get him one pick later? Well, I will say this. Originally, I did not like the pick, but I went to thinking about things in a broader spectrum. Um, A.J. Terrell, he's going to want a new contract sometime soon. He's their young, phenomenal corner at the moment. They traded a fifth-round draft pick for Jeff Okuda, but I think he only has either one or two years left on his deal. They also got Mike Hughes, but I don't know for the duration. It might be a year or two as well. So you bring in another young guy, Christian Gonzalez, to be in that secondary, pair him up with Jesse Bates III, who is a safety, who they just signed free agency-wise. But I'm looking forward to actually seeing Christian Gonzalez. And my thing at number eight, I was more so, you know, hoping they would go edge rusher, defensive tackle. But at that spot, if it's not a quality guy that fits that bill at number eight, then you take the best guy on the board at that time. I know that's something Terry Fontenot is going to do, the general manager for the Falcons, take the best player available on the board. And it's also a team need. So the Falcons are good with this pick. I just want Christian Gonzalez to tackle better. That's one of the things that showed up on his film to me is that he turns down, turns down tackles when it's against receivers or running backs. But when it comes to cover skills and size, he has it all. Which is, what, you mentioned that. That's the interesting difference when people ask me all the time between Gonzalez or Witherspoon. Witherspoon is actually lighter, but tackles better. Like, yes. explain that to me. It, it, it's it's kind of wild. You're right. I, it's a mindset. It's yeah. a mindset, honestly. There, there is a, there's growth in the game for Gonzalez there. That being said, I'd take either of them as my favorite team's first-round draft pick. I didn't get that choice. Q, uh, Q and I are going to have some... Some words later. But, but I'll say this. like you, you, I don't think you could take Nolan Smith or Lucas Van, Van Ness at number eight when those guys are probably projected to go in the 20s. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of these teams, and, and several of our experts that have made these picks, have echoed the sentiments texting us and being like, hey, wish we could trade down. We didn't give everybody that option because, frankly, I'd have to get everybody on the phone at one time to do that, and that's impossible. So uh, the no trade fits in Harry mock draft will continue. We're going to get you picks every single day. We'll keep you caught up on it. We want you guys to chime in on how we did over the course of it. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive protects your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, and RV, and could save you money. Visit Progressive.com. I'm going to have to get a bottle of something before the draft night, because I'm telling you, if this draft goes wrong, <laughs> I'm just going to fill my red solo Luckily, cup. I'm going to be with you, and I get to witness it all with yeah, my own I'm eyes. I'm just going to party like I'm on the Manning cast. That's my goal. So the Raiders took Anthony Richardson. I'll once again tell you why I hate to pick even more, and what it would mean for the Raiders Next season, the ceiling, the floor, we'll tell you. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one. Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. and Harry, the podcast. As we storm toward the NFL draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. It's time to look at every team's ceiling. Like the ceiling can hold up. 
every team's floor. This is Ceiling and Floor. The ceiling is the roof. On Fitz and Harry. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. And you know what we do. We like to give you the ceiling and the floor. That's right. We give you the best and the worst for two teams. One from the AFC, one from the NFC every single day as we get closer and closer to the draft. Did I mention Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance? Progressive protects your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, and RV and could save you money. Visit Progressive.com. All right, Devin, you get to cue, cue it up. What team are we doing first? The Las Vegas Raiders. Son of a biscuit. What are we doing to me here? First cue takes Anthony Richardson. Harry, give me your ceiling and floor for the Raiders. Go ahead. So my ceiling for your Las Vegas the Raiders. Super Bowl? Oh, my gosh. That's so nice. Be quiet when I'm speaking. Okay. So my ceiling for your Las Vegas Raiders. The AFC Championship? Oh, my God. That's so nice. Be quiet when I'm speaking. <laughs> My ceiling for your Las Vegas Raiders will be seven games this season. That's my ceiling for them. I just don't see, I just don't see it working out. I think they need so much on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think it's going to happen. They may get some guys, but they're going to be young guys. Those young guys have to get acclimated. When you have a ton of young people on your team, that means those young guys are going to make mistakes. Now, the floor for your team, top three pick in the draft next season. Top three pick in the draft. I mean, Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams is the four. I'm pretty happy with that. Look, all right. First of all, I don't appreciate your saucy attitude. And second of all, <laughs> I think you are forgetting that when you have talent like Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, the great and sensual James Garoppolo. I don't really know if it's James. I'm just going with that. Sounds more official. Jimmy Ooh. G. I got Jacoby Myers. I got Hunter Renfro. I've got Max Crosby. Mm-hmm. When you've got all of those elements, you know what the ceiling is? You know what the ceiling is for that version of the Raiders, Harry? What? Five wins. Yeah, probably five. I feel like five's probably, <laughs> five's probably about it. Um, you know, I don't know. A, a miracle could happen here. We could get to seven. If the Raiders get to seven wins, I might be unsufferable because all the in, insufferable, the whole time I'll just be sitting here thinking, oh my God, wait till next year when we actually finish this rebuild. I think the Raiders are, are probably a, a five or six win team. The The floor is two and 15 and, uh, and, and the second overall pick in the draft. Nobody's going to be worse they, than the Cardinals. They get to seven wins. You might be insufferable about the next year, but you're also going to be broke based on the dinner you're taking us all to. Yes, you will be buying all seven of us Seven wins? You think all the teams, like, what are the chances that all four of our teams finish better than seven and nine typically? Or seven yeah, and I ten Yeah, I don't think year? they will. I don't think the Raiders will get to seven wins. <laughs> I'm telling you. When Aaron Rodgers wakes up and decides he wants to go back to the darkness and you realize that you're not going to have your quarterback all year, oh, I am going to I'm going to absolutely troll. Plus, Devin's over there laughing like his Giants just didn't overpay for mediocrity. Okay, fine. Fine, 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 fine. You guys pile on all you want. Plus, Desmond Ritter, you know what scares me less than Anthony Richardson? Desmond Watch your Ritter. mouth, sucker. Desmond Ritter? Oh, not scared. Not said Desmond Ritter wouldn't even be the first round pick in this year's draft. I can't wait for Desmond Ritter to prove all these haters and these naysayers wrong. I can't wait for it. Oh, I, I, the implosion of the Falcons is going to be one of the best storylines in all the NFL this year. I am throwing shade. I like I'm, the song say, "Don't believe me, just watch." Uh, 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 don't, don't believe me, me just, just watch. watch. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, Devin, who do we have next? Hopefully, it's the, the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, oh man, Lord. we just went with a big old mountain it, it, of awful. You know how you in church and you need that fan because it's hot. Oh Lord, I just I just wave my fan. Oh Lord, 
You know I, I think I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first with this one too. Uh-huh. The ceiling for the Rams, honestly, I think could be six wins. I'm gonna go six wins, and I think the floor is four wins. I'm looking at a team that lost Leonard Floyd, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, three key people on the defensive side of the ball. I'm also looking at a team that allowed 59 sacks last season. The most in the National Football League last year was 63 by the Denver Broncos. The Los Angeles Rams allowed 59. Between their quarterbacks, all of them that played, because Matthew Stafford only played nine games, they threw 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. So I do not have high hopes for the Los Angeles Rams at this particular moment right now. And I don't know what they're going to do draft-wise. I don't even think – do they have – they don't they have a first-round do pick. They don't have a, yeah. they don't have a do they have a second-round pick? I, they have a second-round pick this year, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they believed in, you know, giving most of their picks away for players, and they won a Super Bowl, so rightfully so. But the back end of what they did, they're going to be hurting. And I mean hurting. The, the ceiling for this team is 17. That's the number of Mondays that they're going to try and remind us all they won a Super Bowl and it was worth it because they're going to suck, right? The Rams are just going to be terrible. The ceiling for this team is like five wins. Five wins. Uh, four. I need the Rams to be one win better than the Raiders so the Raiders get a higher draft pick, but we are talking about the comparable team. I think the Cardinals, Rams, and Raiders all have a chance at being the three worst teams in the NFL this year. How do you like that? Like, I think the offensive it, line, man. I don't believe in that offensive line. That, that, that line was atrocious last season. Um, I know Matt those guys want to have a little. Matt Stafford is the only quarterback they even have on their roster today. Think about that. They don't even Ooh. have another name. They don't have another person they can even wheel out and be like, well, you're QB two. Evan is quarterback two for him. Evan is quarterback two for the he LA Rams. He can't see over the offensive line. They prop him up. He goes up Neither on Devin's shoulders. Murray. Okay. They put him up on Devin's shoulders. <laughs> Devin does all the lifting because he's got thick legs. And then Evan is just like a, a easy, easy lift. Evan just sits up there and flicks the ball. <laughs> Kenny and Carlin also like to do that sort of exercise. They're coming up next. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry. No offense to your thick legs. Thanks, Devin.